Shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hey, it's Ty Smith of the Spokane Chiefs. It's Adam Bokris. Hey, it's Joe Valeno from the Drummondville Voltageurs. Hey, it's Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hi, I'm Dominic Buck. I'm Jacob Bernard Docker of the Oak Oaks Oilers. It's Joe O'Brien. Hi, it's Barrett Hayden of the Sioux Greyhounds. Brady Kachuk from the Boston University Terriers. Major Junior. In the 100th year of the Memorial Cup, the Ankeny Panthers T-Tall have won it for the first time. NCAA. Face off, 50-50, that's it. Minnesota Nice. Minnesota Duluth, national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. The Buffalo Sabres are proud to select Frolunda defenseman Rasmus Dahlin. And more. Oh, yes! Oh, my goodness. We're not going home yet, baby! This is the Pipeline Show. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the Pipeline Show. This is one of the biggest episodes of the season every year as it is the Frozen Four Coaches Show. Welcome to the program, everybody. If you are a uh, returning listener, maybe you've heard the Frozen Four Coaches Show in the past. Uh, Welcome back to the program. If you're a first-timer... Or maybe you've stopped by periodically. Well, welcome back to the Pipeline Show, or welcome to the program for the first time. I hope it's the first of many visits. Uh, Thanks for downloading this particular episode. It's a good one. We get all four coaches from the NCAA's uh, Frozen Four participating teams set up the tournament from their perspective. Uh, We'll get to all of that in a second. We always start the show off. With the question of the day, it's brought to you by a CHL team, the Edmonton Oil Kings. The Oil Kings uh, into round two of the second round of the uh, WHL playoffs. Two games in, they are up. Two games to nothing on the Calgary Hitmen. Game three and four, they go this week in Calgary. Game three on Tuesday. You can hear all those games on TSN 1260. Myself and Andrew Peart, although I don't do the road games. Uh, So uh, just Andrew for games three and four, game five, if necessary, is on Friday back here in Edmonton. A little disappointing uh, myself personally with the uh, crowds so far in the playoffs uh, for the Oil Kings. Got about uh, 6,200, something like that yesterday for game four, which is uh, disappointing. No NHL anymore in Edmonton, so uh, I'm not sure really what it's uh, going to take to uh, get the crowds out bigger. Maybe if they get through to the next round, then maybe people will start showing up, but I guess in general, when you compare it to the rest of the Canadian Hockey League, 6,000 fans is awesome. But when you're playing in a building that holds 185, um, then it's, uh, yeah, it doesn't look as good. It doesn't feel like a playoff atmosphere, even though you have a crowd that most teams in the uh, Canadian Hockey League would kill to have. Anyway, the question of the day today, in light of the Frozen Four beginning on Thursday, is uh, which team you're picking to become national champions. And of course, unless you've been sleeping under a rock, the four teams in the Frozen Four this year, Denver, Massachusetts, Minnesota Duluth, and Providence. Those are your four teams you can pick from. The early lead in the uh, poll, very early, only uh, as I'm speaking right now, poll's only been active for about uh, three minutes. Uh, UMass has 54% of the vote. Uh, real quickly, before we get to the uh, Frozen Four Coaches Show, we always do a, a bit of a news and notes update. We can do that. Uh, it, basically, just a CHL playoff update. Here's where the series stand in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, Roy and Aranda up 2 nothing on Victoriaville. Drummondville is taking it to Sherbrooke. They lead 2 nothing. The Halifax Mooseheads uh, 
needed seven games to get past Quebec in the first round while they're up 2-0 on Moncton in round two. The only series that isn't uh, a 2-0 is between Ramuski and Cape Breton. Those two teams are tied 1-1 after the first two games. In the Ontario Hockey League, each series is 2-0 for the favorites. The London Knights up 2-0 on Guelph, and surprisingly, one of those games really lopsided. 7-0, the London Knights winning game two. That was a surprise to me, but you think that's a surprise. How about the Saginaw Spirit? 10-1 victors in game two of their series as they're up 2-0 on the Sioux Greyhounds. The Sioux Greyhounds, a very good team, uh, and they get uh, pounded 10-1. to Meanwhile, the Ottawa 67s up 2-0 on the Sudbury Wolves. They also had uh, a lopsided uh, game, 5-0. They won game two, 8-5 in game one. So it was 80s night in Ottawa as uh, 13 goals traded between the two teams. And the other series that has the Niagara Ice Dogs ahead of the Oshawa Generals, also uh, 2-0 in that series. And game two seems to have been the one that's uh, been the blowout game in each series, 5-1. Uh, they beat Oshawa in game two. Meanwhile, in the Western Hockey League, start in the BC division with the Vancouver Giants. They're up 2-0 on the Victoria Royals. A 3-0 game in game one. Uh, game two went to overtime. A 2-1 win for Vancouver. The uh, Spokane Chiefs, they win both games on the road in Everett. So the uh, the road team going back home now with a uh, 2-0 series lead as they surprise the Everett Silvertips, a 6-3 win in Game 1, 3-1 in Game 2. The Prince Albert Raiders, they uh, are victorious. They are up 2-0 on the Saskatoon Blades. Prince Albert winning 6-1 at home in Game 1 and uh, had to come back from a 2-0 deficit, but won 3-2 uh, yesterday in Game 2. And the game in my backyard, the Edmonton Oil Kings, as I mentioned, they're up 2-0 on the Calgary Hitmen. 3-2 winners in overtime in Game 1. Yesterday, they beat the Hitmen. A four to one. So that's your uh, CHL playoff update. We're going to go right quickly into the guest list, and uh, we'll kick off the Frozen Four Coaches Show. As I mentioned, you're going to hear from all four coaches uh, on the program today. These four teams headed to the Frozen Four. Mention them in the poll. But uh, the coaches that you're going to hear from today, and this is the order that we're going to go. As uh, the uh, first game on Thursday is going to feature Providence against the defending champion Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. So that's uh, how we're going to go. Uh, we're going to start it off with Nate Lehman. He's the head coach of the Providence Friars. Then we'll have uh, Scott Sandlin from the University of Minnesota Duluth. Greg Carvel, the head coach of the UMass Minutemen from Massachusetts, not Massachusetts, Massachusetts. And we'll uh, close things out with David Carl, the uh, head coach of the Denver Pioneers. It all kicks off in a matter of seconds. And, of course, the Frozen Four Coach Show brought to you by College Hockey, Inc., the marketing arm for NCAA hockey in the States. If you have any questions about um, what you need to do to maintain your NCAA eligibility, if you're a player, you got a player in your family, and you're exploring uh, going the college path, there are lots of things to know for sure. Uh, go to collegehockeyinc.com. You might want to reach out and contact uh, the fine folks at College Hockey, Inc., people like Nate Yule or uh, Mike Snee. Get some information, and uh, they can help guide you and uh, keep you on the track if uh, the college path is the right one for you. CollegeHockeyInc.com. Nate Lehman, the head coach of the Providence Friars, coming up next here on the Pipeline Show.
Hi, it's Nate Lehman, the head coach of the Providence College Friars. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Ben Bishop. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Andy Green. And Ryan Miller were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. We're back on the Pipeline Show, and it's time to kick off the 2019 Frozen Four Coaches Show. Out of the gate uh, this week is uh, the head coach of the Providence Friars, Nate Lehman, uh, back on the Pipeline Show. Coach, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Guy. Oh, a pleasure to get a chance to speak with you again, and I imagine things are uh, going pretty well there. Exciting uh, regional tournament. Uh, you're getting to play in uh, friendly confines in the city that you you play in. But uh, take me back to that game against Minnesota State, down 3 nothing. Uh, credit to your team for not uh, pulling the shoot and coming back and scoring six unanswered goals. Uh, quite the way to start the tournament. Yeah, it was. I mean, we got off to uh, a little bit of a tough start there, as you mentioned. And, uh, you know, I give the, the guys a lot of credit for being, you know, tough and resilient and, and staying with it, you know, being down three, nothing, we could have probably easily folded our tent, but the guys, you know, we stayed with it. We, we started chipping away and we eventually gra- uh, grabbed the momentum of the game and, and took off with it. As a coach, a little adversity like that, probably you don't mind that, especially when your team responds. Yeah. I mean, we, we've been through a lot of that this year, you know, and I think, and I've, you know, throughout the season, I've, I've let our team know that every time that we hit this adversity, this is, this is good for us. It's a positive thing because, if you want to win at the end of the year, you have to be tough and then you got to be mentally tough. And, um, you know, the, the teams that grow the most through the year, um, are the teams that, that can have success. So, um, I think, you know, like I think when, when that happened, I don't think the you know, the guys didn't blink at all. You know, I give them a lot of credit. It speaks very highly of the leadership we have in the, in our locker room too. Uh, at this time of year, I don't imagine you're, you're learning new things about your team, but uh, the, the game against Cornell, you come back against Minnesota State the way you did and then post a 4 nothing victory against Cornell to get to the Frozen Four. What did that uh, game uh, mean for your team? And, and I don't know if, if learning something new about your team is possible at this stage of the game, but what did they show you? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think we're learning. I think we're growing. And, and I think that was a huge growth game for us. I mean, it was... Um, you know, you, you you can't go into that weekend with the mentality of just winning one. Um, you you have to be focused on winning two games. And I thought, you know, that's that's what our guys learned and, and grew about that weekend is that, you know, when that second game came, they were ready for it. They were going to bring their best game. And um, and you know, and I think that you know we did grow throughout that game. I thought it was a it was a it was a game we're going to see very much against Duluth, where it was a hard, heavy, you know, um, tight game. So um, very, very happy with the way we performed there. All right. Well, we'll talk about Duluth in a second. A minute ago, you mentioned some of the hurdles that your team has faced over the course of this season. I, m- I remember going back to the start of the year. The Friars were one of the 
the projected uh, favorites coming into the season. What were those hurdles? What what sort of challenges has your club faced and overcome so far this year? Well, I mean, we we've had some games where we've played tremendous and lost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we at one point we outshot UMass thirty four thirteen and and lost the game three to two and we did the same thing you know with a couple other teams throughout the year um we weren't getting the results but the process was good and the play was good and the uh and the possession was good and the scoring chances were good you know like everything we were i thought we were winning a lot of areas but we weren't winning the scoreboard um so it, it you know it, it took a lot of um you know mental toughness or growth out of our guys to to be able to stay with it and stick with it. And I think there were times that, you know, we were all a little frustrated with it, but um, at the end of the day, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think your team has to grow and it has to hit some adversity throughout the year. And, and uh, if you can get through those times, it's going to make you stronger at the end of the year. And um, now we look back and, you know, it's, it's probably not, we, we would have loved to win the league. We'd have loved to, instead of finishing second, we would have loved to win our league championship. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, we've grown, uh, we're playing good hockey, and, and, and uh, you know, we're one of four teams remaining. Well, and some of that mental uh, fortitude, I'm sure, comes to the players from the coaching staff. But when you look at your players, who sort of leads in that department for the, the rest of the team? Well, I, I think Casper Bjorkvist, he's, uh, you know, he's a guy that uh, we have three captains, Casper Bjorkvist, Jacob Bryson, and Vinny Dayarnay. All three boys are drafted. Um. But I think all three bring a little something different to our group. I mean, when, you know, Casper brings um, a vocal leadership and, and an unbelievable work ethic. Um, Jacob brings poise and playmaking and, and, and also great, uh, great work ethic. And Vinny Darnay brings us toughness. So from that aspect, aspect of it, I would say, you know, all three of them have brought the the aspect to the to, to the team about no we're just going to show up and work hard we're going to stay in the process we're going to we're going to show up and we're going to work hard and um you know so i i think that one of the biggest reasons of our success is those three young men uh, coach i'm in edmonton uh vincent de you just mentioned uh, is an oiler prospect i should ask you just for uh, the local audience here uh what sort of uh development you've seen from him over his four years it's his senior year so it all wraps up for him here in the next couple of weeks uh what sort of a player is he, and what can Oilers fans expect? Well, he's he's six foot six, um, but he's mobile, you know. And and uh, and when he came in, I think that's the you know that was one area that he he needed to work on. He needed to work a little bit on his mobility. Um, the second thing is is it's a lot harder for guys that are six foot six. Um, they got to be really strong in their core, and they have to be very strong in their you know in the in the in the back sides of their legs, meaning their their hamstrings and, and their glutes, because they. The hardest part for Vinny is that he would, you know, he could play defense hard on someone for for eight to ten seconds, but he couldn't sustain it for a shift because he wasn't strong enough through his core and 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 through his uh, lower body. So um, he's developed that quite a bit, and and you know he was voted the best defensive defenseman in our league this year. So he always gets the tough matchup. Um, the the area that we've been trying to improve on the most this year is his, uh, is his play with the stick, and I think he's done a very good job of of developing that. He's never going to be you know a high end offensive guy. He's always going to be a, a simple first play guy. But what makes Benny special is that his feet are good enough to gap anything and in play in people's face, and he's got the size um, to be you know to to be really tough uh, to play against. 
Nate Lehman, the head coach of the Providence Friars, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Your uh, leading scorer this year is Josh Wilkins. Uh, you have 10 drafted players. He's not one of them. Uh, what can we uh, tell us more about uh, Josh Wilkins? This is a guy, obviously, he's going to be on the radar uh, for NHL teams, but uh, not drafted yet. Uh, what can you tell us about him? Um, you know, he's, he's five foot ten, um, you know, slippery, very, very good skill level. Um, he's able to switch gears, which I think is, you know, I mean, tells you about his intelligence a little bit that he can, you know, he can play at that three quarter speed and then turn it on to a, a different speed. And he's got very good vision. So he, he, he started as a wing force the first two years this year, we moved him to the middle. And, um, he's doing a, he's doing a terrific job with, with being a centerman, supporting plays, making plays. Um, you know, and we're, you know, quite frankly, he's, he, we're a better team when he's transporting the puck. A couple of freshmen who have had a big impacts on your squad this year. Jack Dugan, second in team scoring point per game guy and Tyce Thompson as well, putting up 25 points this year. I don't know if you were expecting big impact uh, from freshmen when they come in like that, but certainly nice when you get it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, just as you mentioned, you you um, you're never expecting it, but it's uh, because the level is hard. It's a hard jump. But Jack Jack Dugan scored at every level, so you know we had hoped that he would grow into that role with us, and uh, and he's done a terrific job. Um, you know, still learning a lot away from the puck, but you know when the, when he has the puck and when he's attacking with the puck, he's moving his feet. He's he's really dynamic. Um, and, you know, Tice is a guy that we were, we were very excited to recruit. I mean, he, he was a player that, um, you know, was, was a little bit off the radar, had gone, has gone through the draft two times without being drafted. And, um, he's, you know, he is just, he's, to be honest, he's a coach's dream. He's, uh, shows up every day, um, with a great attitude and, and, you know, ready to work. And I think he does everything well. He's got a good stick. He's got a good vision. He's got a really good release. Um, he's six one and a half, um, and he's just starting to fill out his body. So I think you know Tice has a very, very, very high top end. Coach, I have to ask you about Jay O'Brien. I'm a Flyers fan, and I know a lot of Flyers fans are interested in following uh, how he was going to make out this year in his freshman season, uh, being a first round pick for the Flyers. Seemed like he really struggled. I know there were some injuries along the way. I believe he's on the shelf right now for you as well. But uh, this guy coming right out of prep school did not go to the USHL for a year like uh, like uh, Dugan and Tyce Thompson did. Um, would it, in hindsight, would it have been more beneficial for him to, to, to play a year in the USHL? Or why why the struggles for Jay O'Brien this year? Well, I mean, you know, like, it, again, like, I mean, he, you know, uh, Jay on our team in the first half of the season was third on our team for scoring chances for. Mm. So, you know, he, he had he had a very good first half of the season, um, you know, and, and it, for whatever reason, his pucks weren't going in or when he was setting guys up, those pucks weren't going in. So um, his overall numbers weren't great, but if you, if you watched our tapes, if you watched our games, if you, you know, if you looked at his, uh, you know, his analytics, they were all, they were all very good. Mm. Um, you know, he, he went to the world junior, um, was on the U S team that had it, that uh, got a silver and then I think he, he came, he came back. He was, he scored right away. And then he, he's, uh, unfortunately he's gotten injured. So, you know, it's, um, it's something that, you know, he's a first round pick. We're, we're, we're being very, uh, cautious with him and making sure that, uh, you know, he's going to be a hundred percent when he gets back. 
Um, and but you know, overall, I mean, I I think he's going to be a, I think he's going to be a very good player. I think he's going through the learning curve that um, any guy going from high school hockey to college hockey would go through. But I think he's more than capable. I mean, he's he's very skilled. Um, he's very quick. He's got unbelievable vision. Um, so I you know I I I just think he's going through the growth part of it, and unfortunately. A couple injuries, one in the first half and one now, have hurt that growth a little bit throughout the year, um, especially playing now. But uh, but I, you know, like I, I think he's. I mean, when you see him in practice, you see him like he's he's this kid's a good player. Okay. So, uh, last player, individual player, I want to ask about is Hayden Hockey, your netminder, who has been uh, fantastic for you during his uh, college tenure. Uh, wrapping it up for him here again in a couple of weeks. Don't know what his. Uh, plans are uh, this off season whether he'll sign with the Oilers or not. And that's not the question for you, but you can't win without quality net mining. And Hayden Hockey's given that to you, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, he has, and he's an unbelievable teammate. Um, he's, he now leads the country in shutouts, which is uh, which is not easy to do. He has eight, so um, that's a that's a great stat for him. And uh, he's been our backbone. You know, like I mean, you, you're not gonna you're not gonna accomplish anything great in hockey if you don't have uh if you don't have very good goaltending and, and Hayden provides that for us and he's last year in the NCAA tournament he was our best player and um you know he's starting to trend that way also so uh we're excited we're very happy to have him in that now this matchup against the, the Duluth Bulldogs Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs uh, on paper there's not a lot of difference between your teams you're scoring about roughly the same amount of goals uh giving up about the same amount of goals power play penalty kill pretty much even they might be a bigger team in some ways than you are but outside of that uh how do you size up this matchup what are you expecting against Duluth well I think it's going to be a rock fight um you know I think it's two uh two similar teams I think they you know they're they're obviously very well coached um they're the defending national champs um and they're they're very good in one goal games I mean if you look at their you look at uh, them through the season, a lot of their games are one goal games. And, uh, you know, so I, I think they're a patient team. So we're, you know, we're just, we're going to go out and we want to make sure we're playing our best game. But we're, the important thing for us is that we're patient throughout the game also and, and understand that there's going to be some shifts that there's not a lot going on, you know, and, and that's not a bad thing. Um, I think especially teams are going to be very important in the game and as well as, you know, probably every faceoff. Last question for you, Coach, and maybe a little unfair to ask, but you're one of uh, ten nominees for the uh, Spencer Penrose as uh, Coach of the Year. Of the other nine, I don't know if you have a vote, but uh, who would you cast your vote for? Well, I, I think, you know, Eric Lang has done an, done an outstanding job of basically taking a program that was, you know, on life support, meaning that the school might have canceled the program and within three years he's in the NCAA tournament. He won his league regular season. He won his league championship. And, you know, they obviously upset, you know, arguably the, the, the number one seed or the best team that was, you know, throughout the the season in St. Cloud. So he's done a terrific job. Greg Carvel's done an, an outstanding job um, at UMass. I know they won our league regular season and, and certainly, um, you know, we've, we've seen an up close view of, of them and how they, um, you know, how they've gotten to, you know, build that program and, and they have a special player in Kale McCarr and, and how he's used him. And, um, and then, you know, I mean, I got, there, there's probably, there's probably not a, there's not a bad candidate on the list. I yeah. can tell you that outside of myself, but 
you know, <laughs> Minnesota Duluth too. I mean, that, you know, Scott Sandlin's a guy that just goes under the radar every year. Um, and he's, he's at, he's back at his third frozen four in three years. And that's really, really difficult to do. So those are three that maybe stand out a little bit, but I, I, I don't have a list in front of me. So I, I could probably go through every guy cause we've played a lot against them and, and I have a lot of respect for, for not only that list, but a lot of the coaches in college hockey. Coach, I really appreciate your time. I certainly wish you the best of luck in Buffalo. Uh, great to catch up once again. Thanks for doing this. Good luck. No problem. Thanks for having me. There's Nate Lehman, head coach of the Providence Friars. They kick things off against the Duluth Bulldogs on, uh, sorry, the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. Don't want to get Bulldog fans, UMD fans angry with me. Those two teams collide the early game, the first game, on Thursday that should be a great matchup, actually. I, I think uh, Providence may have underachieved a little bit this year. The very good team, uh, but just barely getting into the NCAA tournament. I go back to the start of the season, I, like I told Coach there. I, I thought they were one of the favorites uh, coming into the year, so maybe underachieved a little bit. I think they will give UMD all they can handle on Thursday. That should be a terrific game. Speaking of UMD, head coach Scott Sandlin, he's up next here on the Pipeline Show's Frozen Four Coaches Show. Brought to you by College Hockey, Inc. And as you heard at the end of the last break, we lead into the next one with the fight song and the uh, promo from the head coach. Here's Scott Sandlin. Hi, this is Scott Sandlin, coach of the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs, and this is the Pipeline Show. compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Giant Turkey is a little over the line, my man. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. We continue on with the Frozen Four Coaches Show and uh, seemingly a regular here the last few years. My next guest, the head coach of the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs, that's Scott Sandel and defending national champions. I'm back to the Frozen Four once again. Thanks for doing this, coach. I know it's a really busy week, but uh, always great to catch up. How are you? I'm doing good. Pleasure to be on with you. Well, uh, tell me about this year's team uh, coming into the tournament this season. I mean, last year you were too young to win, and here you are defending national champions back to the Frozen Four once again. What's different about this year's team compared to the last couple of years? Uh, well, we're a little bit older, which is good. <laughs> um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, last year was, uh, you know, the, the expectations probably weren't uh, weren't there like they were this year, obviously, when you win, but... Uh, you know, the, the the young guys really developed last year, and now they're a year older, and, and everybody's a year older. So we've had a lot of guys that have gone through that uh, that experience. Uh, some of them now this will be their our seniors will be their third Frozen Four. So we've got some 
a little more tournament experience and, and the experience of winning too. So uh, that's probably the biggest difference with this group. Well, and uh, the way you got to this point uh, through the regionals, uh, taking out uh, Bowling Green coming from behind in that game and then uh, uh, beating uh, Quinnipiac, uh, what did you learn from your team? I, mean, I guess at this point in the season, do you actually learn new things? Or Obviously, you're pretty familiar with your, your club, but did they show you something that maybe you hadn't seen? Uh not really. I, I just really liked uh, again their resiliency. It, it's, it's a group that didn't didn't panic. Uh, we've seen that uh, over the course of the year. Um, you know, sometimes I always go into games. I'm not sure, trying to figure them out, but uh, they always find a way. And I think uh, they've got a pretty good demeanor as far as the group. And I think that starts with our with our captain Parker McKay and our older guys and our leadership group. So I think that's been a a, a real real positive for this group i think it's been a driving force behind this group as well well real secret weapon uh, for you guys the last few years get somebody from irma alberta uh this <laughs> i mean parker mckay has been there this he's a senior but i mean before that you had carson susie so i don't know if the, yeah. the next uh, who the next uh hot shot is coming out of irma but let's start with parker mckay and just having a senior like that you, you mentioned him already really just leads by example and kind of the emotional leader for your team as well yeah for sure I, you know it, He's had an unbelievable year. He's our leading scorer right now and, you know, had a great regional for us. Uh, obviously a catalyst for our team. You know, he's was an assistant captain last year when we won. Uh, and we knew he's had, you know, he's always had good leadership qualities, even when he played, you know, in juniors and, and, and coming here, we knew someday he'd probably be our captain and, uh, he's done a great job. Uh, he stayed healthy this year, which is unlike his previous three years, he's missed some time. So that, that's been a benefit to our team, you know, having him in there. and uh, But just, you know, a real hard-working, lead-by-example guy, like you said, and and he scored big goals for us. He's, he's scored big goals uh, ever since he's been here, and, and the goals uh, last weekend, you know, the, the tying goal and the game-winning goal against Bowling Green and the empty netter were, were obviously, again, big goals for our team. Uh, you had some uh, key contributors, uh, some of your freshmen that have come in and played very well for you, but Noah Cates leading you when it comes to uh, freshman scoring. Uh, and, and I seem to recall maybe started a little bit slow, which I suppose is to be expected, but, boy, second half of the year, he was really good for you. Yeah, I think, you know, getting that experience at the World Junior Tournament was, was really beneficial to him. I think he came back here with, obviously, a lot more confidence. I think having played a half a year of college coming out of junior was was uh, was also part of the learning curve. And, you know, just getting that half year under your belt and, and going through the experience he had uh, up in Victoria and Vancouver was, was really good for him because he's, uh, he's been really good for us here in the second half. And, you know, I can't say enough about what he means to our team. You know, you, you always expect and, and hope that some, some of the freshmen that are coming in can make an impact. And, and he's certainly been one of those guys for our team. Uh, head coach is Scott Sandlin from the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, now, I remember talking to you last year about your freshman crop of defensemen and just, you know, how young they were, but how good they were. And obviously they helped backbone you to a national championship. Now with a, a year under their belt for all of those guys, I mean, it's now it's an experienced group. Do you almost ha- see a, a leadership quality coming from uh, the blue line? Yeah. I do. I, I think, you know, guys like Mikey Anderson and, and Scott Brunovich and Dylan Sandberg, for sure, those guys, uh, you know, are, are three of our, our go-to guys. And, um, you know, obviously some different players, Mikey and Dylan play together. They're kind of their, you know, 
they can go against everybody's top guys and, and Scotty's got the offensive ability, but you know, just that year of maturity and going through it, uh, you know, there's been times, obviously I think they've taken some of that for granted and thought it was going to be easy this year, but, uh, hmm. you know, they quickly, uh, they quickly learn that it's not. And, um, but they're still, that group is still the backbone of our team and not only defending, but transitioning out of our zone and, and contributing offensively has, has been a big part of it too. So um, we're really fortunate to have that group and, and, even more fortunate that they've played together almost two years now. Uh, I know we've when we've spoken in the past, we've we've touched on you know how adversity is sometimes a good thing for a team to go through because it builds character and, and gets you battle hardened uh, for this time of year. Have there been some challenges like that along the way this season? Any particular hurdles that you can think of that your guys have cleared and and become better for? Yeah, I think they've been more subtle though, guy. I think uh, you know, like even the way we started the year, I think we were eight one and one and. And I thought probably we were just going to roll through it and, right. and things are going to be easy. And next thing you know, we went three, four and one before break. And, uh, you know, that didn't sit very well. We came out of the break, uh, you know, and it was, there were, I think we went, we lost, uh, you know, a couple games and then we, we rattled off four or five and then we kind of got into the splits, uh, you know, weekends with three teams. And, and actually we finished the year with a, you know, getting swept at St. Cloud, but I felt, you know, we were getting better. I thought we became, you know, a, a better team even after the, the last weekend against St. Cloud and kind of turned that into more of a positive. But there was, there wasn't like long sustained, but there was certainly, there were certainly times during the year that there were, there were some different challenges and, and, uh, you know, but our guys have responded. I think that's the one thing that, that got me excited is that, you know, if we did have maybe a bad stretch or a bad game, you know, we always responded in a positive way and, um, what I tried to figure out was if we had a good game, why we didn't have a good game the next night. That was probably the most frustrating part for our team. Well, that's funny because that's kind of where I was going to go next. I'm sure there are some games along the way that you win that you're like, well, we might have got lucky here tonight and other games where you probably deserved a better outcome than you got. Is there a big difference uh, in the performance of your guys from one night to the next in terms of wins and losses? Like a pretty fine line, like something you do one night that's successful and you don't do the next night, but it's a small thing? It see, yeah, it seems this year was a little bit more of that for sure. Um, you know, we had some really, really good Friday nights and, and then we, uh, I don't know, maybe just assumed it was going to happen the next night and, and, uh, that just doesn't happen, especially in our league or in college hockey. I mean, you've got to be prepared to, to play probably even better the next night. And, you know, sometimes we got shocked into playing or didn't have a good first period, but we, we finished the game strong. So it was a good learning lesson. Those are all good lessons to, to learn out of the, out of, along the way. And, you know, we really stressed that last uh, Sunday against Quinnipiac. They were, they're, uh, they're a team, I think, that outscored opponents 44 to 12 in the first period. So, and we haven't had, you know, maybe great first periods here for about a month. So we really, uh, we really harped on that. And our guys came out and, and played probably one of our better periods we've had in a while. So that was important to, uh, to just uh, to stay on them about that, but uh, there's no question that did that did occur on a, on a few occasions, and I hope our guys uh, have learned from that uh, moving forward. I know at this time of year, uh, first goal is a, a pretty crucial thing for in the views of uh, most coaches. Um, you look at the four teams in the Frozen Four. Uh, I mean, the the two on the other side of the bracket for you didn't give up a goal uh, during the regionals, and I know you guys uh, and Providence didn't uh, surrender much either. Does that make it extra important this year to score first? Yeah, it does. There's no question that first goal is important. Uh, you know, and you, you do look at the, the goaltending that's, uh, it, it, it's pretty good. 
Uh, even our, even in our regional, I think uh, of the four goalies, three of them uh, signed pro contracts uh, in the next week. So yeah. there was some really good goaltenders there as well. But you know, it's going to make it for you know the games are going to be tight again, and and you know again that first goal could be the could be the difference. And you know, I think the importance of, of special teams is always critical this time of the year, but even more so, you know, when you have the the goaltending and the defense, uh, the, the the excuse me, the defenses of those teams, you know, it's it, it does, doesn't create a lot of opportunities. So you really got to take advantage of the special teams. Well, coach, tell me about Hunter Shepard. He's the guy uh, manning the pipes uh, for you uh, again this year after uh, going to him last year. I mean, it's his his third year, but his second year was the, basically his rookie season uh, of actually playing for you. Um, how has he sort of evolved through the last couple of years? Uh, he's probably been our best player he's certainly been our most consistent player for sure and you know in that position that's a great place to <clears throat> great place to start so uh no he's really matured as a goaltender i think uh you know last year he grabbed the net and and, and obviously won you know a championship uh which gives him obviously even more confidence but to follow that up i think with the year that he's had is, is been tremendous and, and certainly for our team our guys know how important and how valuable he's been to our team. You know, it's great to see him up for that Mike Richter award. Hopefully, you know, he has a, an opportunity to win that because he's certainly, in my opinion, very deserving of it with, with the year he's had and, and what he's meant to our team. Uh, Coach, I know there's probably two or three guys uh, that maybe go unheralded, don't get the uh, the attention that some of the bigger names uh, on your team do, but um, they play a key, maybe glue glue guy in the room sort of a role, unheralded to some degree. Are there uh, a couple of players that immediately, a couple of names that come to mind when I, when I say it like that? Uh, yeah, you know, I think on our back end, Louis Rail. Uh, you know, Louis played with us last year. He's, he's just kind of they got that warrior mentality and, you know, he's always, he's always competing, uh, and, and, and doing what he needs to do to be effective. Uh, I think Justin Richards, uh, even though Justin last year had, you know, had no goals and nine assists or he was one of our leading scorers, but just a, a real good 200 foot player that's uh, responsible, plays hard, you know, guys that he's gotten a lot more accolades this year, you know, because of the year he's had, but just a, you know, a guy for me that, you know, you can trust and, and count on. He's good in faceoffs and, you know, just plays the game the right way. And, you know, probably one of our freshmen that I've really, really um, have been excited about is Tanner Latteru. He's, he's uh, come in and, you know, he might not blow you away with his numbers, but just the way he plays the game and, and you know, the, the things he creates on the ice. Uh, he was a big part of the, the two game, uh, the, the game tying goal and game winning goal against St. Cloud uh, just through, uh, through a sport check and, and effort and, you know, those are the kind of guys to me that, uh, you know, are probably going to be those guys that might score that big goal too. And, uh, but I can't say enough. He's had a really good year for us too. And, uh, really happy to, to have him on our team. Well, Tanner Latteru, good Edmonton kid right there. So, uh, good to see, uh, a guy from our neck of the woods going on and having success with you again. Uh, all right, let's look at the uh, the collision with the Providence Friars. Um, you don't play them very often, but uh, a big game a couple of years ago against the Friars uh, in one of the regionals. Um, what are you expecting to to see from them this year? On paper, not a lot to uh, to separate the two clubs in terms of goals for, goals against, penalty, uh, special teams, things like that. What are you expecting from the Friars? Um, probably like the game we had with them a few years ago. Uh, I thought it was an absolute great hockey game. It was a war. It went to double overtime and. And Carson Coleman scored uh, the game winner for us, but uh, you know Nate Nate's got that team. Uh, they play hard. 
they really get a lot of pucks to the net. Um, they defend well. They've got a really good goaltender. I think their their top two lines are are really good, and I think their decor is probably you know uh, underappreciated. I think they've got some really good guys back there. That Bryson, who's who's very talented. Um, you know, I don't know a ton. I've just kind of started watching a little more of the tape this week on them, but I know they, in just the games, uh, that I saw, obviously their power play was, was dynamite this, uh, this past weekend, scoring five goals and, and a big reason why they beat Minnesota State. So, um, just, uh, another really, really good hockey team, well coached, uh, you know, play hard. So in a way, you know, teams kind of mirror each other a little bit. So. I expect a real battle, uh, another war, and um, we'll see what happens. Lastly, and I've uh, asked all your counterparts the same question, but uh, all four coaches uh, going to the Frozen Four are on the 10-man uh, uh, list as a finalist for the uh, Spencer uh, Penrose uh, Trophy as uh, Division One Coach of the Year. Uh, I know you get a vote. Uh, you can say or not say, but uh, who? Who? You can't vote for yourself. Put it that way. Uh, who would you? Who would you <laughs> cast would never, your? Who would you cast your vote for uh, uh, this year? You know, there's a lot of guys that have done a really good job with the programs. I mean, you look at Eric Langley, he's done at American International this year, getting him into the tournament. I mean, Greg, uh, UMass, getting them from 5 to 17 to 30 wins. I mean, those are a couple guys right there that I think have done an outstanding job with their teams. I can say the same thing about David Carl, who's uh, obviously in our league to, to take over, you know, Denver and and, and do what he's done uh you know, with a young team and, and, and my former assistant coach, Brett Larson, who had a, an outstanding year at St. Cloud, you know, to go in there and, and keep that ball rolling. So I, I don't know, take your pick out of those four. I mean, I think they've all done an outstanding job and, and, uh, I know there's other coaches, but those guys kind of come to mind for me. Excellent. Uh, as always, coach, I really appreciate your time. Uh, good luck once you get to Buffalo and, uh, hope we can chat again, uh, maybe this time next year. Okay. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Scott Sandlin of the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs, an excellent coach, had uh, a lot of success here this decade, no question about that. The uh, 2011 Frozen Four, the first one that they captured, the only one that I've uh, actually been able to attend in person. Really, uh, really loved that experience, though. That was a fantastic environment, and uh, getting to meet all the uh, NCAA media that uh, you hear on this show, but getting to meet a lot of them uh, for the first time in person. That was uh, that was terrific as well. Uh, would love to get down to watch another Frozen Four in the next uh, year or two. That's uh, that's for sure. Uh, the University of Minnesota Duluth taking on Providence, and as I said at the end of the last segment, should be a great matchup. I really think both of these teams, uh, either one, could go on and uh, win the uh, the Frozen Four. Spoiler alert: My pick though is Duluth to win, and uh, that was my pick at the start of the national tournament. So can't really go away from that. I actually have three of the four the Frozen Four teams that are still alive on my bracket. The only one I missed out on was St. Cloud. And I think a lot of people did uh, not expect St. Cloud to get bounced out of their regional, let alone in the first round of the tournament. All right, let's move on uh, to the uh, next coach on the Frozen Four Coaches Show this year. That will be uh, Greg Carvel, head coach of the Massachusetts Minutemen. He's up next here on the Pipeline Show. This is Greg Carvel with UMass, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And here he is, having the time of his life. We're back on The Pipeline Show as we continue on with the Frozen Four Coaches Show. Next up, the UMass Minutemen. The, uh, the Minutemen getting through the regional uh, unscathed. In fact, did not give up a single goal in the two games. And uh, head coach Greg Carville joins me now. Coach, welcome to The Pipeline Show. Welcome back to The Pipeline Show. We talked to you a couple of years ago as well. Uh, how are things right now? Couldn't be much better right now, Guy. Yeah. Appreciate having me on. Well, it's great to talk to you again. I know it's a busy time, so I appreciate you making uh, the time to come back on the show. Just the focus and the mindset of the team now going to Buffalo compared to going into the regional. I, I know there were a lot of questions, people from outside the uh, the uh, program saying, you know, question marks, uh, inexperience, and how is that going to uh, factor for the team. But now that you've got through the regionals, do you sense a different feeling from your team, or has it just been confidence the whole way? No, I think we've grown up a lot over the last two weekends. Uh, two weekends ago, we went into our conference championship, um, and we didn't show up in the semifinal. And I think it was the first time, or one of the few times this year, where we looked like an immature team. We just weren't ready for the big stage and the big the big lights and all the media hoopla surrounding it. So we fell off our game. We felt like there was a lot of distractions. And so going into the regionals, NCAA regionals, we... We tried to limit as much of the distractions as possible. We kind of narrowed our game plan, and so the guys could really laser focus on just a few things. And I think that really did a good job energizing them and, and getting them prepared to play. And we'll use both of those weekends as experience going into Buffalo, which will once again be a big stage for this group. And we'll we'll go off our instincts because we don't have a lot of experience to go off of. I know you would have preferred to get the win against Boston College, but as a coach, not having that and seeing how your team responded, in hindsight, was it almost a silver lining, a nice kick in the pants for the guys? Yeah, I think so. I guess what happens this weekend will ultimately determine that. But um, we, we've not lost two games in a row all year, and every time we've lost a game, the next game we were pretty darn good because uh, it recenters us. But beyond that, we we learn we've learned a lot each year this year after every loss. So we took the, we used that that loss like everyone as an opportunity to to learn about our team and make ourselves better. And absolutely what we did, and that showed in Manchester last weekend. Incredible record for the Minutemen this season. Uh, have been one of the the top ranked teams pretty much all all season long. And it's remarkable considering this is only year three for you at the program. And year one, only five wins that season. And two years later, you've got 30 wins. You're in the Frozen Four. Uh, if you could bottle the uh, secret to success, you'd, you'd be a pretty rich man. When you look at it, what is the key here? What, why the big turnaround so quickly? Uh, it's probably a couple major points. First is hiring the right people. I was fortunate in hiring two great assistants and Ben Barr and Jared DeMichael who do a phenomenal job on the recruiting trail. Uh, they got deep uh, networks through contacts. Uh, so that was the first thing I was able to do. I've got good leadership from my athletic director, and you need that in the, at the college level. You need that investment. And you need your AD leading the charge for you. But maybe the biggest thing is the culture that we've been able to build and the unity of this group and the commitment and and the sacrifice that they've all made. And there's no bad kids in our locker room. They're they're all best buddies and it's they just bring great energy every day and they're very coachable very respectful respectful young men so to me uh, and you know i did the same thing in my previous job building culture of high standards and getting real high character kids is to me always the key and then you add kale mccarr to that whole equation and that really bumps your team to another level 
All right, let's get to uh, the players on the team. And, and obviously, we're in Canada. Got to start with the Canadian. Happens to be your top player in terms of scoring. And I think most people would uh, think of him as, uh, you know, he's a Hobie Baker finalist. I would uh, suggest he's the favorite to be the Hobie Baker winner this year. That, of course, is Kale McCarr. Uh, I know there were questions, would he come back after his freshman season? In one sense, do you almost feel like you're playing with house money here, getting him back again this year? I think most people would look at it that way. But I, when I first met Kale and his dad, you you found out, or I found out real quickly, that these are, these are different cats. Like, these people do things the right way. They're not uh, dispelled by anybody else. They... they they know what their process is, what they want their process to be. Kale's not in a rush to get anywhere. Uh, his dad, Gary, is a phenomenal person. And just, I think if Gary had his way, he might want to have Kale here another year. I think it was just, they recognized UMass and NCAA hockey as really good development stage for Kale. And after last year, he had a solid uh, freshman year, but in no way was he dominant. There was, you know, he's still, he's a young kid. He's 19, he was 19 last year and he wasn't ready to attack the NHL. He, he knew that. And the thing I love about Kale is that nobody makes his decisions for him. He makes the, he makes the decisions. You know, he, he turned, he's turned down different opportunities here because he didn't feel it was the right thing for him or maybe the right thing for his team. And he's absolutely a, a team first kid. He's incredibly humble. He's incredibly respectful and coachable and, um, you know, spoke about Hobie Baker. This kid deserves that award as much as maybe anyone who's ever won it. That's uh, Kale McCarr. We, uh, I remember seeing him up here playing for the Brooks Bandits. He was a terrific junior player. We've seen him play for Canada at various junior tournaments as well. How has he evolved since he's been with the program as a player, just on the ice, and and how he's sort of matured? He's evolved. You know, he's always was going to be a strong offensive player and make a big impact on the game offensively. But this year he took a big stride in how he affects the game defensively for our team. We go into every game, I I go into every game thinking, okay, Kale McCarr is going to earn us a goal, but he's also going to save us a goal. And his his assets, his skating and his compete and his physical play, he uses those real well defensively to make an impact on the game. We played Harvard in the first NCAA game, and a player in Harvard got a breakaway. And Kale caught him from behind and simply, you know, picked up his stick and stole the puck. And it was as impressive as any goal he scored this year. Um, and he creates, uh, he creates out of the defensive zone. He, when he gets kids in a, a vulnerable position, that's where he uses his skating and his strength and his stick skills to create turnovers, which, which have created a lot of offensive transition for us. And many times just him blowing by everybody and skating the length of the ice for a breakaway. So he's uh, he's developed that part of it. You know, after his freshman year, one of the things that both of us knew and both of us talked about was needing to get better defensively. Uh, but he's taken it to a new level where he creates offense by being a very good defensive player. UMass head coach Greg Carville, my guest here on the Pipeline Show, looking at the Minutemen getting ready for the uh, trip to Buffalo for the Frozen Four. Uh, Makar is just one player on the team, and no matter how good a single player is, Probably not going to take a team uh, to this uh, this point in the season unless you've got a pretty solid uh, surrounding for him, supporting cast, and uh, you do uh, with the Minutemen. Another defenseman uh, we're talking about uh, from our, the Canadian perspective is Mario Ferraro, uh, who we saw get an invite to World Junior Camp uh, for Team Canada as well. 
he had more offensive points last year than he does this year, but I've been told that uh, he's become a much better player. Uh, maybe same sort of question I asked with McCarr, just how Mario Ferraro has uh, evolved over his couple of seasons uh, with you. Yeah, M- Mario, is uh, he, he flies under the radar because of Kale, uh, but not on our staff. He is as important as Kale. He plays big, heavy minutes. He is so uh, effective defensively. He's a powerful uh, entity on the ice. He wins battle after battle. He, his powerful skating allows him to separate guys from pucks. Uh, we're, we're fine with him not putting up huge offensive numbers because he does all the other things on the ice that, that you need to be successful. And he is an absolute uh, tower and asset for us. And so I say this too, like if, if we lost Kale for a game, it'd be pretty obvious in our team. If we lost Mario for a game, it'd be just as obvious how big of an impact he has. That's interesting. Um, now, when you look at the rest of the roster, and from an outside perspective, not a lot of whole household names, not a lot of names that casual fans will recognize, but when uh, all the attention is on the Frozen Four next weekend, uh, who will be some of those names that uh, people will get to know pretty well in Buffalo? Well, hopefully because they play well. Mitchell Chase, he's a sophomore in power forward. He, he led uh, hockey in scoring as a sophomore. He's, he's, he's a very rare breed the left in college hockey where he's a, he's a big kid he's six foot one he absolutely hammers kids he can be very physical but he's a goal scorer too so he's a he's a true power forward that plays power play penalty kill he, he we get a lot of heavy shifts out of him and offenses on time um he's been a real he's a first team all league player as a sophomore um mark uh mark del guys was a freshman defenseman who plays with kale mccarr a uh, real gifted offensive player. Um, led our defenseman in their second to Kale and goal scored this year. And he was an all, uh, all rookie and all league player. Mm-hmm. So those guys are very good young players who hopefully on the big stage will get uh, some more recognition. Now, a couple of other players I want to touch on just briefly because, uh, they're from our neck of the woods. Oliver Chow, another guy who played in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, uh, sophomore for you this year. Uh, how has he been for you? Oliver's he's a good crafty, he's a shifty player, he can create offense. He was he had the digestive issue at the beginning of the year, so he missed about the first month and it took him a while, probably the first semester really, to get his game back. Uh but he plays in that first line with Chafee and Godet and plays in a shutdown position, although that's not his strength, but he's a very very smart player with the puck and um very elusive kind of player. And again, he's a sophomore and plays a big role on our team, plays in the second power play. And, uh, you know, he, he, I believe he scored, yeah, he scored last weekend and he's been, his, his offense is, is geared up here at the end of the year, which is great to see. Well, perfect timing. That's for sure. Uh, the uh, last player, or I guess kind of two is, is Matt Murray, goaltender who we know uh, from his time around, uh, the Edmonton area as well. Uh, he's, he's been a big game goaltender in, in, uh, over his career, but you've uh, gone with, uh, Philip Lindbergh, who's been very good for you as well. And that's not a criticism, but I, I just wonder, was that a, a tough decision to make? to go away from Matt Murray, who's played basically two-thirds of the games for you this year. Uh, how did you make that call? We've made the decision all year long on which kid deserves to be in the net, and Matt deserved it through the first semester. He went 11-0, and so it was hard to go away from him. Mm-hmm. And um, just the second half of the year and the last month of the season, the numbers started trending down, and uh, our first playoff game, he gave up three goals, uh, pretty quickly, so we made it the goalie change, and ever since then, 
Lindbergh, uh, I think he's got three shutouts in, in the four or five games he's played. And uh, he just, he's made, both the guys have made it easy decisions for us most of the year. And uh, both kids are unbelievable. They're really, there's really not much separating the two. Um, but the kid that we're, we're fortunate to have two good goalies and that if one comes off their standard a little bit, the other kid is eager to jump in and improve his worth. And that's been the case all year. Now, Coach, uh, give me your thoughts on Denver. That's the team that you'll be playing uh, in uh, Buffalo to start the uh, the Frozen Four off. Not a lot of differences when you look at the uh, the tail of the tape. Outside of uh, special teams, your power play has been very, very successful this year. Theirs has struggled. But outside of that, uh, it seems like the, it's a fairly even uh, 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 match. Uh, what's your take on the Pioneers and what you expect from them? Yeah, I, I see them very similar. I think they're outstanding goaltending. Uh, good skill up front, and then a back end that they rely on as a backbone of their team, very, very similar to us. Uh, the, the, what I've watched on tape here in the last couple of days, very good defensive team. They don't give you a lot. Um, creative in the offensive zone, and again, defensemen that can make a difference in the game with the, with their ability. So, uh, if I describe my team, it, it'd probably be pretty similar. So, um, I, I guess both both us and Denver have two shutouts in the the regionals, so I guess everybody's looking for a zero yeah. zero game, but I don't know if that'll be the case. It might be it might be wide open, it might be close uh close checking. Um, you know, when you get to this time of the year, you never you know, expect anything. Because both teams uh, got to this point with shutouts, is the first goal of this game even more critical than than maybe normal just because it, neither club has faced that uh, playing from behind just yet in the national tournament? Yeah, you sure, you know, just again, at this point of the year, whoever scores the first goal in the game, I would have to think that the percentage of them winning those games is extremely high just because everybody plays at another level defensively, uh, which we were able to do last weekend. Uh, same with Denver. So yeah, that first goal, we, we preach that all year long. And to me, it's always a signal of which team came more ready to play and more ready to compete. They usually find a way to score that first goal. Coach, last question for you. Uh, all four coaches are among the ten finalists for the Spencer Penrose uh, Trophy as a uh, top Division One coach this year. You can't vote for yourself. I don't know if you actually have a vote at all, but if you did, of the other nine, who would you cast your vote towards? Well, I, I've got a, a good friend here in Western Mass, just a half hour down the road. Eric Langity, I see, he's done a phenomenal job rebuilding the program. Uh, we both started at the same time. Both kind of had the same uh, trajectory, so. You know, consider him uh, uh, brethren through this, and then uh, Greg Powers at Arizona State, another another guy who have gotten to know well. And uh, again, we, I feel like uh, the three of us have kind of been hand in hand uh, trying to build hockey programs. So uh, those guys would be near the top of my list. Excellent, uh, Coach. I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck in Buffalo at the Frozen Four, and uh, I hope I get to speak with you again. All right, uh, I enjoyed it. Thanks, man. Head coach Greg Carvel from the UMass Minutemen. Uh, it's going to be a great matchup on uh, Thursday for uh, fans of the Alberta Junior Hockey League. You have uh, Kel McCarr, of the, uh, formerly of the Brooks Bandits, going up against Ian Mitchell of the Denver, Denver Pioneers, who played for uh, the Spruce Grove Saints. And those two players, those two teams, got together head-to-head, went head-to-head in 2016 for the... Uh, AJHL crown, the uh, Brooks Bandits winning that series. I believe it was six games. Those two teams, by the way, meeting up this year as well in the uh, AJHL finals. That uh, series gets going this weekend. But Ian Mitchell, Kale McCarr, they know each other pretty well from their uh, 
AJHL days. They'll get reacquainted again this Thursday. Uh, the Pioneers and the Minutemen. That's the second game on Thursday at the Frozen Four. Uh, and that means we have one more team to preview, and that is the Denver Pioneers. Head coach David Carl, youngest coach in Division One. David Carl is the head coach of the those Denver Pioneers. Hear from him next here on the Pipeline Show's Frozen Four Coaches Show. Hi, this is David Carl, head coach of the University of Denver Pioneers, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Colton Pareko. And Patrick Sharp were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Key Flaming. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. All right, let's get to the uh, Denver Pioneers as we continue on with the uh, Frozen Four Coaches Show, and uh, we just spoke with uh, UMass head coach Greg Carvel. Uh, his counterpart uh, leading the Pioneers to Buffalo is uh, head coach David Carl. Uh, welcome back. Welcome to the Pipeline Show. It's the first time I've actually had a chance to speak with you, Coach. So, uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are things? Yeah, thanks, Guy. Thanks for having me. Um, things are good. I don't have much to complain about. So, uh, just getting ready for next week and um, excited for the opportunity that uh, has been presented to us. All right. Well, let's start with the uh, the regionals. Uh, your team gets through not just uh, with a couple of victories, obviously, but unscathed, uh, not even giving up a goal. Um, I don't know if that was something that you were expecting or predicting, but you got to be pretty pleased with the way your uh, with the way the pioneers came through. Yeah, we. Um you know, we like how we're playing defensively right now. And um, anytime you can give up no goals, you, uh, you're you going to win the hockey game uh, in playoff hockey. So we're excited with how we're playing defensively against two really good hockey teams um, as well in Ohio State and American International. And then obviously we're going against a UMass team that uh, did the same thing against Harvard and Notre Dame. So um, I think combined, I, I saw on Twitter the five, the four teams only let in five goals in the uh, combined in the eight regional games. So four really good uh, teams defensively uh, that fans are going to get to see in Buffalo. Well, we'll get to the head-to-head matchup with UMass uh, a little bit later in this conversation, but uh, let's focus on your team and um, just the, the success that you've enjoyed this season. There, there's been, you know, three I think three weekends where you were swept outside of that. Um, a lot of W's next to uh, next to Denver on the schedule. What's been the key to success for you guys this year? Um, you know, I think a huge part of it with uh, with our group has been taking those moments of of adversity when we were swept and and trying to look in the mirror and um, figure out where we need to be better. And then I give our players a lot of credit and taking ownership of that and um, and then doing the things that we need to do um, in order to improve. I think we've 
we're a much different team than we were back in October. And that's a credit to, I think, our leadership group and our players for buying into what they need to do to have success here. Well, and you're a much different team than you were the last couple of years as well. Your first year behind the bench as head coach. How has that transition been for you? Oh, it's been good. Um, it's, you know, it's obviously a little bit different, uh, but real proud and, and honored to be in the position and, um, you know, have had great mentors that I got to learn from here at Denver in George Gwazdecki and Jim Montgomery. And then uh, also fortunate to have a really good staff around me that, that makes my life and my job a lot easier. So it's been a team effort and uh, really proud of what we've been able to do in our first year together. Uh, it might be a weird question, but anything surprised you this year about, you know, taking on, uh, putting on the big hat and uh, being the main guy behind the bench? Uh, I know you'd been with the team for a long time, so maybe nothing was a surprise. But uh, once you take on that role, did anything kind of uh, change for you? Yeah, not, I mean, yeah, a lot. I guess a lot changed, but um, nothing really all that surprising. Just from the sense of, um, you know, being here four years as a student and then five years as an assistant, um, it's not like I'm coming in, you know, getting to know uh, a whole new locker room, getting to know a new administration, um, a new campus. So the transition was, I thought, pretty seamless um, in, in knowing what to expect and being able to navigate the things you need to be able to. Uh, we're speaking with uh, David Carl, the head coach uh, of the Denver Pioneers, uh, just before the team gets going and uh, ready to leave for Buffalo for the Frozen Four. Coach, I always jokingly, when it comes to everybody wants to do predictions and, and make their picks and things like that, when it gets to the Frozen Four, I always jokingly take whichever team has the most Canadians. That would be you guys uh, this year with uh, 10 Canadians uh, as players, a couple on your coaching staff as well. The The recruiting process and just the importance of uh, recruiting out of Canada for the Denver Pioneers. It's, it's always been that way. There's always been a lot of Canadians with the program. Why? Yes. Um, you know, it was probably established back when, when Murray was the, uh, was the coach here. Um, when the program first started on its, uh, really its role, uh, into the national tournament, winning national championships, you know, he'd be hard pressed to find an American on the team in, in Murray's early days. And I think as the game has grown in the United States and obviously, and in Colorado, you've seen more Americans become part of our program, but I think it's just the, the, I guess the, the traditional recruiting footprint that we've always used has been Alberta, British Columbia, Manitoba, um, Saskatchewan. And, and then now you look at our roster, you know, we have five Californians, we got a few Coloradans, um, you know, and we've had on our champion, you know, Will Butcher was from Wisconsin. Um, so it started to grow into the U.S. market. And I think a lot of our alumni are up in Canada. Um, that certainly helps with connections and, and things like that. So we haven't tried to reinvent the wheel, I would say, here at Denver. What's worked at Denver's worked for a really long time. And um, we're just trying to continue it on. It is part of it just based on geography? I mean, you are the closest, I believe, one of the closest. North Dakota would be as well. But yeah, I mean, it's a direct flight from Edmonton. It's a direct flight from Calgary, direct flight from Vancouver. Um, you have mountains. So for the Alberta kids, you know, you see um, to our east is prairies, and then you have the mountains to the west. And so when they land in Denver, it does feel um, like home to them. And it's it's not as long as a flight as people think, you know. From Edmonton, it's only a two two-hour, 20-minute flight. And um, Calgary is obviously a little bit shorter. And in Vancouver is a little bit further, but it's um, for accessibility for parents and getting to and from. Um, it's as, as easy of a spot to get to 
um, when you look at it. Well, and you're uh, being led by some Canadians, and we'll get to some of the guys uh, that uh, that we know f- pretty close to home here in the AJHL uh, in a second. But uh, Liam Finley leads your team in scoring uh, so far this season, uh, 36 points in 40 games. So what can you tell us about uh, Liam Finley for uh, those casual fans who haven't been following the Pioneers all season? Yeah, Liam, uh, Liam's had a breakout year this year for us. Um, smaller player. Uh, he might be 5'7 on a good day. And, uh, but really good edges, uh, eyes are always up and, you know, he's done a much better job this year being, being a more consistent player in practice, being a more inside the dots player, getting to the net front, uh, for a five, seven guy to have 15, 16 goals, whatever he has, um, you know, that's pretty impressive. And I would say 95% of them are within five feet of the net. So he's a player that can, uh, control the puck when it's on his stick and, when he's getting to dirty areas, he's usually getting rewarded. And then there's a, a guy like Jared Lukasavishes who's been, I mean, he's a senior with you now. He's been uh, through a lot of battles and uh, gone this far in the NCAA tournament uh, a few times as well. Uh, that sort of leadership from a guy like that, uh, pretty invaluable, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, him and him and Colin Staub are two four-year seniors that have, have been with the program for four years. This is their third pros in four, and um to be able to do that in your four years in college hockey is uh, is a really a hell of an achievement and, and an accomplishment in itself. And so, uh, Jared, what stands out to him is you know just his competitiveness on loose pucks, getting in on the forecheck, his will to win games and to do it the right way um, in hard areas is is really impressive. And then on top of it, he's a he's a one shot scorer. Like he doesn't need much um, to put the puck in the back of the net. Uh, leads the country, I believe, in game-winning goals. Leads our program history in game-winning goals. Um, is an unbelievable shooter and and really works at his game and his craft. So proud of the player and the person he's become um, in his four years' time here at Denver. About 20 minutes from where I'm sitting right now is a uh, little village called Callahoo, Alberta, and that's the home of Ian Mitchell. Uh, <laughs> you know, I got to ask you about uh, Ian. Uh, he played his AJHL hockey in Spruce Grove, which is 20 minutes away as well. Um, so we know him uh, quite well here. He's been on the show many times. Um, tell us about Ian Mitchell and sort of his evolution as a player at Denver. Yeah, Ian, uh, you know, he's he's a catalyst for us on the back end, um, offensively and defensively. And his game has taken a lot of steps this year. I think what's the most impressive about Ian is um, his ability to understand his own game, what he's really good at and what he needs to improve upon. And then he creates a plan uh, to attack those weaknesses and to continue to work on his strengths. And, um, you know, he's just a very focused and driven young man. And um, when you have a plan in place and you have a plan to execute it, uh, you're going to get better. And and that's what Ian's done um, in a short time here at Denver. And uh, really impressive as a true freshman, come in, do what he's done. Uh, As a sophomore, wears a letter for us, uh, speaks to who he is as a person, and who he is in our room, and a lot of people really look up to him and emulate it, try and emulate him, even though he's uh, such a young player, only a sophomore. The other thing, you know, Jared Lucas Savage is, is a senior, and he wanted to live with Ian this year so that he could see how Ian managed his time away from the rink with his habits, uh, sleep, nutrition, uh, taking care of his body, all those things. So that should tell you um, a lot about Ian uh, as a person and how he manages himself. Wow, that's interesting. I'm speaking with uh, David Carl. He's the head coach of, of the uh, Denver Pioneers uh, right before 
the Frozen Four. Um, I have to ask about your goaltending situation uh, for for casual fans. Again, maybe people are just tuning in at the end of the year to watch the Frozen Four. Interesting story aligned with your goaltenders this year. Philip Larson, the Detroit Red Wings draft pick, wasn't able to go for you early on this year. Devin Cooley stepped in, played really well for you. Um, I know you've gone with Larson down the stretch here, but uh, you know you can rely on both goaltenders. Maybe just touch on uh, both guys if you can. Yeah, um, you know, both have been incredible. They've been um, our MVPs for our team this year. Um, and it's, you know, to be honest, it's, it's not really close. Um, they've given us a chance to win every night, regardless of who's in that. Both have had to deal with injury at different times throughout this season. Uh, when the other guys needed to carry the mail, he's been able to do that. And, um, you know, just really, really impressive what both kids have been able to do. And I think early on, um, you know, probably even through mid-January, they were having to win us hockey games um, on their own. And there's a few games that they stole for us. I think they've allowed our team to mature through some positive uh, results and it has allowed us to, you know, catch our breath at times. And now we're a really good defensive team as a 20-man unit, including our goaltenders. And I think the burden on them has gotten lighter as the year's gone on because of their play and, and, and helping us out early on in the season. So uh, there's not much more you can say about them and the impact they've had for our program. After losing, you know, a two-time All-American, Mike Richter Award winner, um, an Alberta native in uh, Tanner Gillette uh, from his senior season a year ago. Uh, I have to ask you about the, I mentioned the Canadians, obviously a lot of Americans on the roster. It's a bit of United Nations going for the Denver Pioneers. You got the, the Larson, the Swedish goaltender. You also have a Finn and uh, a player from Norway, uh, one of your top scorers here in Emilio Pedersen, the uh, Calgary Flames pick. The importance of finding players out of Europe. I mean, that's, it's, I wouldn't say it's uh, groundbreaking. It's, pardon the pun, not, you're not pioneers in that sense, but uh, finding players out of Europe becoming more prevalent uh, across the NCAA. Uh, and you guys are taking advantage of that trend as well. Yeah, certainly. Um, it was probably four or five years ago, you know, we sat down as a staff and, um, you know, we look at our history. We had a lot of Finns and Swedes in the 90s, a few in the early 2000s, but um, in a goaltender, you know, in the late 2010, 2012 time. But, okay, you know, we yeah. hadn't spent a lot of, yeah, we hadn't spent a lot of time going over to Europe and we just, um as a lot of people have, but we felt like it was a market that was untapped. And um, so we, we, we went over there, we spent some time with some people, tried to get to know them. Um, and it led to Henrik Borgstrom uh, coming to Denver. And I think that's kind of opened the door for our program, for others from that part of the world um, with Peterson, Heiken and uh, Larson and a couple more that we have uh, verbally committed. So it's an area that, um, you know, as programs, uh, the competitiveness to to be a lead every year, you got to turn over every stone, and um, I think that's something that we do a uh, a very good job of here at Denver. All right, let's get to the matchup with uh, the Minutemen. Uh, you don't play each other uh, very. I don't think there's much of a history between the two programs at all. And on paper, there's not a lot of differences uh, between the two clubs outside of the power play. There's been very good this year, just shy of thirty percent. Yours at 14.9% coming into this weekend. How important is it for you guys to keep this five on five? Yeah, I think, um, five on five, we're a real good hockey team. Um, so it's, yeah, we would prefer to play that way. There's no doubt about that. Um, 
you know, and, and looking at them, there's not many holes. I mean, you, you made mention of it, but, um, you know, I think all four teams in the Frozen Four, top five or six in team defense. Um, obviously, UMass scores at a, at a really good rate, and a lot of that has to do with, obviously, McCarr and their power play and, and how elite that is. So it'll be real important for us to stay out of the box, make sure our sticks are on the ice, and um, that we're angling through people well. I asked uh, the same question of uh, Coach Carville when I had him on. Uh, because you haven't been scored on yet in the tournament, neither have they, how important is the first goal? I mean, it's important always, but neither team has had to play from behind yet. Um, how important is that first goal for you guys? Yeah, it's real. I mean, it's vital. I mean, it's really important. And, um, you know, I think both teams are probably um, comfortable with a one nothing lead. And um, so, yeah, the, the first goal and having a good start – is very important, especially in these one and done games. You can't sit around and and um, you know wait for the game to come to you and and wait for it to happen. You got to go out and and try and be on your toes and be the aggressor and try and make things happen. Uh, last question for you, and I've asked all the other coaches this one uh, as well. All four coaches are among the ten finalists for the Spencer Penrose uh, Trophy as a uh, top Division One coach this year. Uh, if now you can't vote for yourself, obviously, but I don't know if you actually have a vote or not. But who would you cast yours towards if you do? Uh, we do have a vote, actually. I think all the head coaches do vote, and I voted for Scott Sandler, uh at the league. All right. Very good. Coach, I appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck in Buffalo, and uh, I hope we get a chance to speak again. Great. Thanks, Guy. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. That was David Carl, head coach of the Denver Pioneers. And with that, uh, that concludes the uh, coach portion of the Frozen Four Coaches Show here on the Pipeline Show. Reminder, the games get going on Thursday, two of them. You're going to see the uh, Providence Friars taking on the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. That's the first game. And then you've got UMass going up against Denver in the later game. Uh, The two winning teams will then meet on Saturday for the national championship game. If you're in the U.S., obviously on ESPN, uh, those games will uh, be seen. In Canada, you can watch the games on uh, TSN 2 on Thursday, and then I believe the final game is only streamed. It's on uh, tsn.ca and TSN uh, app. But the game will be uh, called by uh, John Buchagross, as well as uh, Barry Melrose, uh, Quint Kucinich, and uh, Colby Cohen, who's been a guest on the Pipeline show several times. And uh, I know if you're in the States, you're going to get, I believe Dave Starman will be uh, in studio. I'm not sure who the studio host will be, but um, whenever Dave Starman's involved, you know it's going to be a quality broadcast for sure. Thanks to all four schools and uh, the uh, media contacts and communication of folks that uh, cover those teams for uh, setting up those interviews with the coaches. Thanks to the coaches, obviously, for making time to speak with me in what's a, a very busy uh, period as they get set to go out to Buffalo. All those teams will be going to Buffalo here in the next day or two. And I did those interviews uh, late last week, so Thursday, Friday. All the coaches do a ton of media right now, so always appreciate uh, that they make time for the Pipeline show for sure. All right, if you want predictions, my bracket I posted at the start of the NCAA tournament. Uh, I did have Providence and Duluth meeting in the Frozen Four with Duluth moving on. I had UMass getting to the Frozen Four, but to play against St. Cloud. Now, that didn't happen. I did have St. Cloud getting to the uh, final to uh, to play Duluth. Uh, So it's UMass and Denver. Uh, If you want a prediction from me, I guess I'll go with UMass. And uh, simply because, listen, both of those teams got through the uh, regional without giving up a goal. So pretty impressive. I was going to say UMass is on such a roll right now. So is Denver. So uh, that one might be a coin flip. 
Uh, but I will go with uh, the Minutemen. I believe Kale McCarr will win the NCAA Hobie Baker Award as the top player in Division One hockey. So having the best player in the game right now at that level, uh, I think I will give the edge to the Minutemen. Uh, but I do have the Bulldogs winning the national championship uh, in back-to-back years. First time it's happened since, what, 2005-ish uh, with the uh, Denver Pioneers, as a matter of fact. That's my prediction. Interested to hear yours. You can always uh, hit me up on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. All right. There will be another edition of the Pipeline Show, an episode of the Pipeline Show at the end of this week. We, depending on the timing, might have uh, an NCAA guest just to preview the final game itself. But that'll be tricky because uh, these games go on Thursday and uh, the show usually comes out on Friday. So that could be a little tight. Uh, but uh, just in case we don't, obviously it'll be a heavy CHL show and uh, we'll look at uh, probably the AJHL final and set that up as well. So uh, lots of more prospect hockey content coming up this week on the Pipeline Show. But this was the Frozen Four special, the NCAA Frozen Four Coaches Show. We've been doing it every year here on the Pipeline Show. Must be for the last decade plus. I think going back to 2007 was the first time we did it. And uh, it's always a lot of fun for sure. Until uh, we speak again, get out and watch some junior or college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next time here on the Pipeline Show. Until then, my name's Guy Flaming. Thanks, everybody. See ya.